Hello and welcome to a brand spanking fresh out of the box episode of Ben and Benji Do The News, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the stories which aren't dominating the front pages, but are in our weird and warped world really should be. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think we'd turn newspapers around, wouldn't we? We'd have those back of the book stories right on the front page. Start with page 33. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, first of all, I would uh, just like to apologise for our break, or just to let you know we took a break. You're probably aware of it because uh, we weren't around for the last couple of weeks. But going forward over the summer, in between our mojito, sun loungers and red raw sunburn, we'll try and get to the mic as much as we can, give you a hit of weird news. But probably for the next couple of months, it'll be a little bit touch and go until our work dries up and do the news becomes our main focus again. Yeah, which probably won't be too far off behind all those mojitos. <laughs> and if we keep bringing those sun loungers into the office, we're going to getting sacked. Oh, God, yeah. My work from home clothes going into the office. Excellent. <laughs> Is that your Hawaiian T-shirt? Yeah. No joke. I look like Tony Soprano on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> I have been known to work in a vest this week. Oh, oh my God, the, the heat, the heat. I hate complaining about the weather because I love the bit of summer we get, but my God, the heat. <laughs> <laughs> the heat. Well, we've got, we've actually got a story linked to the heat coming up in this episode. Ooh. So you're a weather story. A weather story, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, love a weather story. Weather and mattresses. That's all I'm saying. What a combo. <laughs> um, so without further ado, Ben, do you want to kick us off? Okay, so this is our first story. And Benji, have you heard about the Marble Arch Mound? I have not. Okay, that's good. Because I thought by this podcast standards, I'd picked like a pretty big story because it's been everywhere. But it is still like one of those kind of weird stories you might not find near the front. Uh, but I just... I just couldn't not do this, right? So the Marble Arch Mound, Benji, where to begin? You haven't seen this, right? So the Marble Arch Mound is a new tourist attraction. Say that? A lot, a lot. <laughs> Try saying it with your mouth full. <laughs> <laughs> the Marble Arch Mound is a new tourist attraction. And as you might guess, it's next to Marble Arch and it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a mound. <laughs> <laughs> going from the artist drawings right before it was built it was supposed to look like a kind of lush hill covered with plants with a winding pathway that you could walk to the top but in reality it actually looks like a barren hill straight out of minecraft because basically it's scaffolding <laughs> covered in dirt it's as if boris johnson's ill-fated garden bridge has taken a revenge shit from beyond the grave <laughs> Now, if you want a fantastic first-person experience of what the mound is like, right? do check out a Twitter thread by a guy called Dan Barker. We'll retweet it on our Twitter, but it's well worth a read. It's brilliant, right? But the marketing for the mound describes it as an experience of the great outdoors right at the centre of the city. Okay, slight problem with that. Pigeon it's... shit and uh, <laughs> McDonald's on the floor. <laughs> exactly. But it, the problem with that is, right, it's right next door to Hyde Park, which is a 350-acre experience of the actual outdoors, not made from scaffolding, right in the centre of the city. <laughs> 
it was designed by Dutch architects MVRVD, um, and they're commissioned... even stealing our they're even stealing our mounds now. Coming up, <laughs> taking our mounds. Uh, it was commissioned by Westminster Council, right, in a oh, bid dear. to attract shoppers to Oxford Street. How? How does that attract shoppers? Of course, Benji, that's the main downside of online shopping, isn't it? It's the lack of a mound. But maybe I'm being a bit harsh. It's a mound. Calm down. Calm down. It's only a mound. It's a bit of fun and it can't have cost that much. How much did it cost? At least two million pounds. million pounds benji for a mound now poverty is a big problem in westminster and spending two million pounds on a mound definitely isn't a major slap in the face to those who are struggling to make ends meet and it definitely doesn't show a major disconnect with residents and definitely reassures the community that they're in safe hands now as much as you sort of might be able to tell that this has got me a little bit incensed there is one thing i like about it And it's the fact that this came up as an idea and somehow everyone in the room thought that the idea was a good one. Right. How how do we attract shoppers back to Oxford Street post lockdown? And what about a discount card um, giving savings across all shops? And how about a festival? We could close the roads and have um, music and food. Um, uh, Yeah, we could do that. Or we could build a mound. Sorry. Build a big mound, shit ton of scaffolding, cover it in dirt, yeah? Job done. The Oxford Street Mound. Okay. No, 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 no. No, mate. Marble Arch Mound, yeah? Alliterate. (laughs) Good God. Call the scaffolding and dirt company post haste. Is this where Brent's been working since he got released from the paper company? (laughs) Yeah, he's a consultant at Westminster Council now. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, the mound has closed after just two days with the council admitting it's not ready. And this is where I am excited because the artist drawings of projects like this, you know, the ones I mean, those kind of Mm. mock-ups, sort of computer-generated people walking around. Mm. They tend to have the same relationship with reality as the menu pictures in a kebab shop have with actual kebabs. They always look much better than the finished product so i think the drawings for this aren't really that impressive anyway but now the council left not only having to finish this but offsetting the initial crapness of its disastrous launch now i have no idea they stuck a harvey nicks on the top of it (laughs) (laughs) they should should do at least there'd be a point going up there (laughs) now i've got no ideas on how you could possibly rescue this other than just admit defeat quietly dismantle it and shuffle off but i have a feeling that the architects and the council will come up with something and i wouldn't be surprised if their answer was well what's better than one mound two yeah build another (laughs) one have you got another two million (laughs) build a mound we're gonna build a mound (laughs) build a mound and they will come or not (laughs) and what are the dutch saying about this they don't give a shit they've got legalized weed and prostitutes (laughs) they don't need well that might explain how they came up with it Right, onto this. Um, so this is a, this is a quick hit of okay. weird news. Um, 
And uh, yeah, sort of piggybacking off of a big story, which obviously has been running for the last couple of years, coronavirus, uh, reported oh, yeah. uh, by the good people of Huffington Post, home to the world's only weird news reporter, <laughs> David Moy. So shout out to David. Is this, a, is this a David Moy story? Is it? it isn't actually. It was just an oh, okay. excuse to mention David. Because I've got one of his coming up later. <laughs> Oh really? Have you? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I like to think that if, um, like, 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 if we were back at the Daily Star, David mm. Moy might actually be a contender for a good Britain's best job page lead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, or, or the world's best yeah. job. Because this, you know, like, it's a chocolate tester. This is a man who just gets to look at weird yeah. stories all day and fly yeah, around I the mean, world. Talk. I mean, if you talk about from a personal point of view, dream job. He's basically what we're doing for. <laughs> doing for free but it's his yeah. full-time job <laughs> yeah so david moy keep going but th- yeah this is an uh, associated okay. press piece that was ripped by the huffington okay. post um so yeah companies coming out of indonesia this week a man was um apprehended by police yeah. after boarding a domestic flight disguised as his wife wearing a niqab covering his face and carrying fake ids <laughs> and a negative pcr test yes um a flight attendant noticed because he changed his outfit in the toilets right <laughs> and you know at first look i think this guy is actually quite clever because right. he's tried to he's tried to obviously play the system his wife was negative he was positive so he went dressed as his wife yeah. why oh why would you get changed in the toilets during the flight right how stupid can you be surely you'd go back to your seat and sit next to the person you were sitting next to before and go and they'd go oh sorry mate that's not your seat there was a woman sitting here yeah. oh yes that's my wife she's um <laughs> she's in the toilet She's at home. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first rule of disguises, isn't it? You have to put it on before anyone sees you. Otherwise, it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, the thing is, he put it on to get on the flight, but he took it off during the flight. Oh, fuck this. They'll never know. Of course they'll know. You're going back to sit at a seat dressed as a different gender. How do you explain that to the person you were sitting next to before? Yeah, there's something different about you, isn't there? Is I, can't, I can't put my finger in it. Have you been for a haircut in the toilet? <laughs> I mean, for gender reassignment surgery, that would be it. <laughs> the things you can do at 20,000 feet. <laughs> That's BA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it was an internal flight. So I'd like to think that if, if he didn't want to take the risk, he would have just got a coach or a car or, I don't know, a bus or whatever. But... Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't even have to fly. Yeah, and he got caught by his police. What well, by the police? While the poor wife was um, at the supermarket at home pushing the trolley, dressed as him. <laughs> <laughs> she had to get changed at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't double up because yeah. that would have given it away. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your wife? <laughs> I'm here. Um, that is, to me, is a contender for an Audacity Award, surely. Do you know what? I didn't even think of that. But, um, yeah, I definitely think it is. And you know what? It's the lengths people will go for an internal flight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he had the fake IDs, the negative PCR test, the niqab covering his face. Um, and also, if the niqab just covers his face, was he just wearing... 
was he stupid enough to just wear normal clothes where the niqab ends? <laughs> just like chinos. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen that scene from Three Lions? Oh god, I haven't seen that for for years. He goes into the he goes into the shop to try and buy bleach, and he and and he covers his face by putting his hand sort of over his eyes <laughs> and his other hand over his beard. It's quite incredible. Um, so didn't feel much like yeah. Uh, so yes, that that's my that's my little hit of of weird news coming out of Indonesia. Well, well, I unless something else comes up in this episode, he has got my my vote for the Bayford Award for Audacity, hundred percent. Yeah, let's, uh, let's put him in the running. Right, to take a quick break from the stories and head on to our nobblies for the week, that's Nobbly Monsters and Second Mentions. First of all, though, I'd like to make a quick shout-out to Joe Casper. If you remember the last episode, Ben, um, mm-hmm. we talked about that news editor shuffle over to the reporter's desk where they say the dreaded words... Got a little job for you. <laughs> And we were talking about this, of course, when I suggested that they could send a uh, tabloid reporter down to um, Cornwall with a net to catch Wally the Walrus. Well, as we know, it's happened a few times. Joe Casper um, was sent out of the office in, when was it? In 2016 with a headline, Catch That Croc and Make It Snappy. Uh, He was sent to the Thames to find a piece of old rope which looked like a croc, um, and he had the uh, he had the, the the Aussie hat with with the corks hanging down. Nice. Um, no expense spared at the start. We'll get you all the kit you need. We'll get you all the props. And um, uh, Andrew Jameson, uh, who's, who's still at the start, in uh, I'm not sure quite when this was. I think it was a bit later. Um, was sent to catch. Well, I don't know. It looks. It actually looks like a real crocodile. It was probably just a plastic crocodile mask or something. But he's mm. got like war paint on. He's got a full costume on. He's got a knife on. Under the headline "Croc on the Loose," <laughs> the Daily Star snaps to it. Yeah. Uh, again, more crocs lurking. Uh, in the Thames, so just love that stuff. So that's our loyal listeners. Uh, Oh, and then just to have a quick recap, uh, last episode we asked you if your second mention is Nobbly Monsters uh, on a tennis racket because it was it was uh, was Wimbledon at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We put this uh, second mention as Nobbly Monsters you guys. Patsy Hayward calls the humble tennis racket a ball banger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, which I like it's slightly rude that one apparently. yeah it could be used on other stories <laughs> um, Chris Bycourt calls it the oversized fly swatter uh, hmm, also like calls a... it Wingfield's Whacker because the very first modern tennis racket was made by Major Walter C. Wingfield in 1874 <laughs> nice a bit of, bit of trivia Educational and funny. For all uh, your pub quiz needs. For all your, I don't know why I'm doing the uh, partridge voice. Uh, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> Lynn, can you get me a second mention? Uh, <laughs> we need more knobblies on the show today. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I've lost the plot, mate. And Joe Casper calls it Novak's handheld ball thwacker. 
Oh, Waka and Waka. Love it. Waka and Waka. <laughs> <laughs> New comedy duo coming soon to the Blackpool Arena. Heath that's Wax, like, <laughs> the other Wax. <laughs> that's like one of Alan Partridge's TV ideas. <laughs> Waka and Waka, amateur Waka tennis Waka. players, try and Ooh. knock each other out with tennis rackets. <laughs> <laughs> but also solve crime in the North Norfolk area. <laughs> 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 right, enough oh, partridge. Okay. Never enough partridge. Enough partridge. On to the uh, second mentions for this week. So I've seamless seen... podcasting. <laughs> Fast approaching nine forty-five. But first, there's just time for a second mention. This lovely story from uh, BBC. So. My second mention for this week is Bushy-Tailed Nut Lover. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, my ex? (laughs) (laughs) No, he was the ball banger, wasn't he? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, a callback. That was a callback. Um, It's got to be a squirrel. It's got to be a squirrel. Yeah, that's right. It's from a BBC news story about a squirrel that got stuck in a lamppost. Uh, And that was sent to the at second mentions Twitter account by at Sarah Cordy. And what have you got this week? Yeah, Benji. Um, I have got the singed Christmas missive. Oh, okay. Uh, A Christmas pudding? Nope. Missive? Really singed. Is this really abstract? Yeah, it's really abstract. I want you to try a couple more. Singed Christmas. Is this particular to a story where there's been like a burnt Christmas card? Ah, getting close. Want one more try? (laughs) Am I right with card or not? Uh, You're right. It's it's along the theme of card. What what might you be sending to the North Pole? Oh, a burnt Santa, a letter to Santa. Yeah, very good. (laughs) Shall I I read the the opening parts of the story? Yeah, please do. A man whose letter to Santa, written by his father, was stuck up a chimney for 60 years, says he hopes (laughs) to be reunited with the note. It's a fucking note, mate. It'd be one thing if your dad was stuck up the chimney for 60 years. (laughs) Chimney sweeps in Worksop found the singed Christmas missive and turned to social media to find the writer. Not to be confused with chimney sweeps, in workshop, Santa's workshop, found the singed Christmas uh, missive. Ten such moves to find the right. So, so yeah, a weird Christmas story uh, coming out in July and in silly season, silly season, in silly Santa season. Um, and that, uh, sorry, just, <laughs> just cartridge. It's just going to keep creeping back in, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. Um, and and that one coming straight to us uh, at uh, do the news headquarters from. Uh, at David Hollyhead. David. Thanks, David. <laughs> uh, and what I really like about that is Holly, um, also a Christmas, uh, a Christmas item there from David Hollyhead. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do the rest of the podcast. We <laughs> should just do in a pear tree, in a podcast pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a partridge <laughs> special coming on. <laughs> Two partridges in a podcast tree. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Right. Uh, go ahead. We need to set a <laughs> a new one, don't we? Section has taken far too long this week. <laughs> it's been crashed by Partridge. Go on. So that sporting spectacle is happening in Tokyo. <laughs> uh, but what's the second mention? This week, we're looking for a second mention for one of those sporting greats who's won an Olympic medal. So <laughs> in returning to sanity for a second, we're looking for a second mention for someone who's won an Olympic medal. Twitter, do your worst. <laughs> Right, back to the stories. And yeah, it's me now, isn't it? In a, uh, in a departure, Benji, from our usual brand of weirdness, I want to share with you a truly beautiful story. And it's courtesy of our good offbeat reporter friend you mentioned earlier, David Moy oh, over at the uh, HuffPo. And it's also, I think it was first picked up by KCAU News. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back in. Um, so the story is um, a woman celebrates her 50th wedding anniversary by drinking a 50-year-old can of beer. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Diane and Ed Nesselhuff brought the can of Coors Banquet beer during their honeymoon in Denver in 1971, oh. and they vowed to drink it on their golden wedding anniversary. <laughs> they kept that can over the course of their marriage through bringing up their kids, multiple house moves, right? And the first thing that struck me about that is the willpower involved there, because if that was me, I'd desperately be trying to replace that can of beer after about six months, after wanting one more when coming home from the pub. <laughs> but they didn't, Benji, and that's because they are good people. And Diane and Ed's son, Ben, tells how he used to shake the can over the ears to see if it was still liquid because his dad used to say he assumed that the beer had just turned to sludge. Now, the couple's and the beer's 50th anniversary rolled round this year, but sadly, Ed wasn't there to see it, having passed away in 2016 after a short battle with lung cancer. God. But knowing he wasn't going to make it, he said he would like his son to share that beer with his wife, Diane, in his place. And I like to think that there was a twinkle in Ed's eye as he said that, thinking, enjoy your sludge. Don't forget to bring a spoon. <laughs> I, I jest. I jest. But good to their word, on the day of the anniversary, they cracked it open and filmed themselves sharing it in tribute to Ed. Diane jokes, if you never hear from us again, it's because we have botulism. <laughs> and I think that's why I love this story, Benji, because I like my romantic gestures to have a serious risk of potential fatal bacterial illness involved. <laughs> but I'm glad to say it wasn't sludge. And what's more, it looked rather refreshing with Diane saying, I thought it was very tasty. I was surprised. I thought it would be full of crap, but it was good, she said. The HuffPo went to cause for a comment and their marketing manager, uh, Stephanie Clamfield, deserves a mention here because she managed to gently remind people not to drink 50-year-old beers while also summing up the story beautifully. She said, typically, the enjoy-by date for most beers is 126 days or 18 weeks. In the Nesselhuff case, it seems to have stood the test of time as did their marriage. So here's to Ed and Diane. I thought that was a genuinely beautiful, weird Aww. story. And I found a pack of cheese and onion tatoes from 1983 under the floorboards last week. And I'll be enjoying them later in your honour, guys. <laughs> and I'll be presenting the podcast by myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a couple of, couple of things. First of all, I'd like to wish the couple a hoppy anniversary. Boom, yes. A hoppy anniversary. I 
I do. I did get it. It was just that was my level of reaction. Just, just checking the mic was working. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, this reminds me weirdly of something that actually happened to me a few years ago. Okay, it was about ten years ago. I mates with Denise Van Outen, and um, she used sure. to weirdly get me to serve the drinks at parties at her house. <laughs> and pay me. It's like a, it's really weird. Um, like so, like basically, my best mate was her goddaughter. So even though some of these celeb parties I probably wouldn't have been invited to, they kind of liked me and they used to pay me like ten or an hour to serve the drinks. Right, right, like, okay. Eighteen at the time. Yeah. And she had this massive drinks uh, kind of fridge in her hamster apartment, and uh-huh. um, right at the bottom shelf was some like diet cokes, right? Yeah. And uh, someone was like, "Can I have a vodka and coke?" So I went. We'd run out of like cans of coke in the main fridge, so I like went to the bottom thing. And um, I picked up one of these cans and I thought it was kind of weird because it kind of had like her face on it. But I was like, whatever, it's a can of Coke. And I started pouring it and gave it to, I think it was um, Harriet from Heart 106.2. Clang! Um, <laughs> and um, about two minutes into her drinking it and, and seeing the can on the side, Denise rushed over and was like, what the fuck have you done? These cans of Diet Coke are 20 years, 20 years old. I had them specially designed when I was on the big breakfast with Johnny Vaughan. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Why on earth was she just keeping them like in the fridge? (laughs) It was just, I'd never felt so humiliated in my life. What did you say? Um, <laughs> that's showbiz. <laughs> and I got ready to present Heart 1 in 6.2 the following morning. And that's how I made it, kids. <laughs> oh my God, that is amazing. That's a little anecdote for you. Right. Something to finish off, um, uh, finish off the uh, podcast today. And uh, over to Dublin, where mm. the Metro is reporting this. Shop bans customers from paying with cash stashed in bras during heat wave. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Forget about keeping <laughs> keeping your cash under your mattress. <laughs> so, bedding salesman Michael Flynn, known locally in Dublin as Mattress Mick, has put, up an, story has put up an urgent notice, urgent notice, quotes the story, outside his shop in Dublin. Uh, and just to give you a, uh, a picture of what Mattress Mick looks like, he looks the spit of Roger Daltrey. Right. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and this sign reads, in capital letters, no bra money. <laughs> I like the assumption that everyone knows immediately what bra money is. Due to increasing temperatures and for our own personal safety, we will not be accepting any bra money. Sorry for any inconvenience. Due to soaring heat wave across Dublin and an ongoing safe trading with social distancing, my stutter's terrible accent. With, with social distancing, we would urge all customers not to pay us from their bras and keep your euros, euro notes in your purse or handbag at all time. Yours, mattress Mick. Um, <laughs> and it may, and it may go on. I just want to know. You might you might well be getting to this, so I don't want to ruin your flow. But does it mention what sort of trauma Mattress Mick has suffered with the bra money that sort of brought him to this point of actually putting a sign up? The story is from the Metro. Would you like to answer your own question? 
Is it full of holes? <laughs> Perhaps. It is. <laughs> uh, so, but one thing, a couple, there's a couple more bits I want to add before, before okay. I sign off for this podcast. And someone wrote on Facebook, of course, uh, a lady called Jane Mann uh, complaining about sexism, ironically. She said, she's from Northern Ireland. I've said, she said, what about men with sweaty bollocks? No single <laughs> woman out. <laughs> And Do men tend to keep their <laughs> their money in their time? I was thinking, I was like, it is a bit sexist, Jane, perhaps. But like, when's the last time you paid for a paper <laughs> at a news agent and gone, hang on a second, mate, let me just check, let me just Reach get the coin wedged underneath my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, when was the last time you did it? Well, you you know I've stopped since the <laughs> order was put in place, Benji. Why are you bringing that up? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from a 50p for a, a pocket mix. <laughs> <laughs> the news agents like, have that one on the house, Ben. <laughs> um, and do you remember how we tittered at David Hollyhead talking about Christmas? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, this Metro article is written by none other than Emma Brazel. Oh my God, what is I going know! on? <laughs> what is going on with the names this week? How good is this? Can, oh shit! I thought I thought I had my neighbour just knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> um, um, could Emma win Bayford Awards just for her name? Is that even possible? It's the first, but I mean, it's just so amazing, isn't it? Just to take on a bra bra story, <laughs> I think quite possibly. Uh, or maybe the news editor that dished it out to her. <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah i know just what i've got for you emma do you know what they'd say they'd go all right emma this story's got your name written all over it <laughs> <laughs> oh just golden um so uh ladies if you're listening and you need a mattress just remember what to do when you see mattress mick um or remember what not what not to do um so on that note I think we've reached the end of this week's podcast. Have yeah, it's good to be back. Oh, it really is. It feels it's been good. Great to be back. So it's yeah, like, uh, it's like putting on the old bra again. The old hot money-filled bra. <laughs> Cat-filled bra. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm still reeling in shock just from all of those names. <laughs> so a quick reminder, please do like, share, subscribe, and especially review the podcast if you like it. We haven't had a review for a few weeks. So um, if there's something you enjoyed, let us know. Um, is it safe to say we might be back in a couple weeks, Ben? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that in the next good. yeah, in the next fortnight, we will have some more weird news for you at some point, or some weird names at the very least. Oh God, I hope so. I hope that continues. <laughs> so, from us, from the weird news newsroom at Benavenji, do the news. It's thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs>